Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Board. On today's episode, we'll talk about the upcoming college football season, potential Heisman contenders, and who I believe to be the top five players in college football. We'll also address professional football and who are the untouchables. Who are the players that if you were in charge of their team, you absolutely, positively would not trade? First, let's start with college football. Here in mid-June, we are roughly 10 weeks away from the start of the season. Everything looks to be on track, albeit with certain additional measures than usual in place, but we look like we're going to be playing college football on time this year, which is great news. According to Vegas, particularly the Vegas Insider, Clemson and Ohio State are tied for the best odds to win the national championship this season. Both have 5-2 to two odds. Ohio State, led by Justin Fields looks to be in great position all across the board. It's pretty incredible when you look at it, how their recruiting and their development of those top recruits has just not missed a beat. And they just keep going and they keep reloading and they keep winning and winning and winning. Case in point, Joe Burrow, who is just the number one overall pick, couldn't break out at Ohio State. So he had to transfer to LSU. That tells you how good it is over there. And it's a type of program where, I mean, say what you want about Urban Meyer, but he knows how to win football games and plenty of them. He leaves, in steps Ryan Day, and they don't miss a beat. Some may even argue they got better. So it's not just the players that don't miss a beat, it's the coaching staff. And look, if you study college football or any any level of football for that matter, there's always going to be turnover with coaching for whatever reason, and that's can be a threat to the continuity of the team and how you do things and what the system looks like and what offense you run and so forth. But Ohio State with Justin Fields looks as good as ever, and they could go undefeated and win it all. Absolutely could. Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great year last year, at least to his standards, I'm sure he'd say, but he finished well. And even though he's going to be without top wide receiver Justin Ross, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to let that hold him back. He's going to find a way. And you can just tell, yes, he's, I believe, 6'6", great size, great mobility, good instincts, quick release, everything you look for in a quarterback he has, but particularly his leadership and his determination to press on in the midst of things getting hectic is what's really impressive to me. He has that. So that permeates the rest of his game to where if he loses a top player like he did in Justin Ross, who's out for the year with a neck and spinal injury, He's going to find a way. He still has stud running back Travis Etienne in the backfield. He has a wealth of other great players around him offensively and defensively. So Clemson's going to be in very good shape. In fact, they are one to eight favorites to win the ACC. You heard me, one to eight. So you're pretty much losing money if you bet on Clemson to win the conference. And if you win the conference... You go to the title game, you're in great position for the playoff, and that carries a lot of weight. So say what you want about the ACC, say what you want about Clemson. Look, you play who's in front of you, and they will do that, and they are very likely to win most games, if not all of their games this season. The other three teams that have Heisman hopeful representatives, we're going to highlight here, LSU. Defending national champion, they come in at 18-1 to 1 favorite, so that seems like a pretty good value bet. And they're similar to Ohio State, although they've lost their quarterback, so that's probably why they're less of a favorite than the Buckeyes. 
but the LSU Tigers come in at 18-1 to favorites to win it all this season. Similar to Ohio State in that they always reload. They always have great depth at seemingly every position. Tremendous head coach. They do lose Joe Brady to the Panthers. And Joe Brady was kind of the architect of that prolific LSU offense last year. But again, what they do is going to fit their players. In other words, it's not like, in all respect to Joe Brady, but it's not like what he did, they're going to just instantly forget. It may not be the same, sure, but they're not just going to completely uproot the offense, put in a new one, and, and start learning football all over again. They're going to take the elements of what Brady did that worked and implement it and then add or tweak some other things. Another reason LSU may struggle, at least at their standard, is they lose their also their defense coordinator, Dave Aranda, who goes on to be the head coach at Baylor. So you lose two major parts of the coaching staff. Doesn't always happen, but look, they wouldn't be 18 to 1 favorites if they didn't have a substantial amount of firepower coming back. The Heisman contender that I believe is on their team, the best player that I believe is on their team, is Jamar Chase, wide receiver. I couldn't find consistent Heisman odds for this year, but the ones I did see didn't have Chase listed, which is crazy to me. They listed a bunch of quarterbacks, which I get. Quarterbacks usually will garner most of the votes. But you look at Jamar Chase play. I don't care what position traditionally gets Heisman votes. Jamar Chase, as a sophomore last year, won the Blitnikoff Award given to the nation's best receiver. He caught 84 passes for 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns. A lot of times when you see those stat lines, you see those players play at programs at the FCS level or Division Two or Three. It is so hard to do that at the top level in college football. Yes, did LSU focus on throwing the ball early and often? You bet. But guess what? Jamar Chase still needed to produce. And looking forward to this year, yeah, he's going to have a new quarterback thrown to him, Miles Brennan, who appeared in 10 games last year for the Tigers, threw for 353 yards. So really an incomplete sample size there. But I got to imagine Miles Brennan wouldn't be the potential starter if he was a scrub, right? Like he wouldn't be at LSU if he was a scrub. They only bring in the best or who they believe will make their program the best. So Jamar Chase may not be of value from a gambling standpoint to bet on as a Heisman Trophy winner. But I guarantee if he stays healthy, he's going to be in that conversation all year. Or at least he should be. Next up, the Oregon Ducks at 50-1. to 1. Now they play in the Pac-12 and that conference for a long time has been very competitive. It has also been up for grabs. Now, maybe not a title contender, but another top team that loses a star quarterback. Just talked about LSU losing Joe Burrow. Now, Oregon loses their own first-round quarterback in Justin Herbert. But this player I'm going to mention here, another like Jamar Chase, not even mentioned on Heisman list, which is unthinkable to me. Panay Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. He's 6'6", 331, all-conference as a true freshman. Think about that. I have to imagine, no matter how good you were in high school, you're a true freshman in a big program like Oregon. You're just trying to find the weight room. You're just trying to find the film room. You're just trying to show up to meetings on time. And he goes out and he's all-conference. And then, how does he follow that up? As a sophomore last year, 
He's the Outland Trophy winner. That trophy is given to the nation's top interior lineman, offensive or defensive lineman. He also was graded as the top lineman in the nation by Pro Football Focus with a 95.5 grade. And that grade was the highest grade given by Pro Football Focus of all time. Yeah, they haven't been around forever, sure. But they've been around for a while, and like him or not, they know what they're talking about. Panay Sewell is going to put on a show this year. I mean, if you just take his resume already, he's done enough to be a top draft pick. But can you imagine? Like we said, the Pac-12, yes, very competitive, but a lot of area for opportunity. Can you imagine what he's going to do this year? Man, I can't wait to see it. So Oregon coming in at 50-1. to 1. We know quarterback drives so much of not only odds, but performance on a football team, good or bad. But it's worthy to note, Sewell should be on your watch list, if not for Heisman, for the number one overall pick this coming draft. I mean, 10 months from now, I got to think he's in the conversation for whatever team is at the top of the board. And then finally... The Miami Hurricanes coming in at 150 to 1. Now, they have a who they hope to be a solid quarterback now. It seems like the Hurricanes are, for a while, they've had coaching turnover. They had some good players, but it didn't quite match up and lead toward a winning culture. Consistently, that is. So this season may not be that different. However, they have a player who himself could be the number one overall pick next year. Gregory Rousseau, edge rusher. From Miami, 6'7", 253 pounds. But get this, folks. Last year, he was just a redshirt freshman. He recorded 15 and a half sacks. As a true, uh, excuse me, redshirt freshman. Still, 15 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss. As a redshirt freshman in the ACC. And did all that while only starting seven games. So, When you look forward, you have to first look back briefly to get a reference point. What have they done? Have they won any awards? Have they put up any numbers? How has their team done? And you combine all that and say, what's the logical next step for this person? I mentioned the team odds because that gives you an idea of what the experts in Vegas think the team will do. And a lot of draft stock, whether scouts say it or not, is based on team performance. Well, with Rousseau, yeah, his team, you know, they may not go to the ACC championship, but he's in a unique situation to where he could and probably should be in the top five of draft candidates a year from now. Why is that? Well, look at the NFL. Which positions are the most sought after? Quarterback, edge rusher, offensive tackle, and then maybe cornerback. But after quarterback, your edge rusher, if you can put up numbers like that and have that kind of size, again, 6'7", right around 250 pounds, that's essentially the prototypical size for an edge rusher. You can't get to the quarterback. You have that long frame to disrupt passing lanes, disengage blocks with those long arms. And you get an NFL coaching staff to help mold you from there I mean, look at Chase Young. I'm not saying Rousseau is Chase Young. I'm saying when you have that kind of athletic ability and have already displayed that kind of performance, it only gets coaches and scouts to think that you will improve from there. 
In other words, as good as Rousseau's season was last year, he's showing no signs of regressing. So to recap, my top five players entering the college football season who could potentially see themselves winning the Heisman Trophy at the end of this season, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell, and Gregory Rousseau. Those are in order of team odds. Who do I think will win it? Obviously, it's way too early to say that, but I think if I had to choose five and then leave the rest of the field to someone else, I'd be very confident with these five. Now let's switch over to the NFL. We talk about players who have done enough, whether it be just a year or two or five or six years, but they've done enough in the past to get you excited about their future. And to be excited about their future, they have to still be somewhat young or in a position to where they can play conceivably for another half dozen years. Although the players we just mentioned won't be in college football probably beyond this year, they have set themselves up to have a great future in the NFL. So who are the NFL players that have already had a good career, shown signs of being great, but also show signs of not slowing down? I think the first one is very easy. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs quarterback. You don't win the Super Bowl in, in the Super Bowl MVP and just fall off the next year, generally. And especially for someone like him, the Chiefs aren't a team that just blew up. Meaning they didn't just win and then start over from scratch. Like the Ravens did when they won in 2000. They kind of purged their salary cap and their team the next couple of years was very different. The Chiefs, at least for this year, are pretty similar. Of course, keeping your head coach in place, that helps. And like we said on the last podcast, Andy Reid isn't getting worse. He's only getting better. So to have that guidance in place for Mahomes is only going to increase his performance. Number two, another pretty easy choice is Lamar Jackson. You don't win Super Bowl You don't even get the Super Bowl, but you win the league MVP. So obviously, there's a lot of respect around the league for him. And I think we can all agree, those of us who are objective, at least, can definitely agree that Lamar Jackson's just getting started. I don't know how long he has to be this effective. Not to say that he can't do it, but just he's so good, it's hard for anyone to sustain it. But... Looking at him now, and especially given what the Ravens have done, bolstering their defense, bolstering their offense, he's surrounded with a plethora of talent and experience now. Ravens showed some really good signs last year when they were in close games. They won most of them when they lost against the Browns. I believe they ripped off 12 straight regular season wins. So, They showed recently when they struggle, they fix it quickly. And when Lamar struggled, I guess two seasons ago now, you could say, he fixed a lot of his errors quickly. How often did people say of Lamar that the ball security was a huge issue two years ago when he got his first NFL action? Quite often. I remember because I was one of them. How often did those same people talk about Lamar's ball security last year? Not often. Why do you think that is? Well, because he worked really hard in the offseason and he 
cut down a lot on those mistakes. So Lamar Jackson making such a leap from year one to year two only makes you think he's going to continue that progress in year three. Now, if he would have lost some of his running backs or lost a coach in Greg Roman, if Greg Roman would have gotten a head coaching job, which he could very well have and probably should have, that would be different. But that hasn't happened. So those pieces are still in place for Lamar to continue his ascent. The next person that I feel is an untouchable. If I'm an NFL GM, we're talking about players right now who are just untouchable. If you want to trade for them, no way. Thanks for calling. Have a good day. Talk to you later. Is Colts guard Quentin Nelson. Seems like a bit of a stretch taking an offensive lineman. But when you watch Quentin Nelson play, not really. If I had to say off the top of my head, I'd say he's the best lineman in the NFL right now. It's hard to quantify NFL offensive linemen unless you're working in the facility when you have all access to practice tapes and all kinds of advanced metrics. But you don't need advanced metrics to see that Quentin Nelson is an absolute beast. And yes, he can make any block. Yes, he's powerful. Yes, he takes guys that are grown men and throws them around. Yes, he's still very young. But I I just don't know why anyone who was his general manager or coach would even entertain trading. Because the whole idea of trading is to offload a player or picks to theoretically improve. Well, you're not improving from Quentin Nelson. So what's the point? (laughs) So I think it's pretty cut and try there. So it's going to be really exciting to see him play again another year of experience and see him, how he progresses, how he now, you know, I'm not obviously privy to his meetings with the Colts, but you can tell that this is a time for Nelson to go from being great prospect to talented to now stepping into a leadership role. And a lot of guys don't do that until they're at, or toward the end of their career. But Nelson is that special kind of player. Speaking of special players, fourth person on my list, Giants running back Saquon Barkley. I know running backs are not a desired position in the NFL from the standpoint that a lot of teams will feature two and sometimes three in every game. But Barkley is that exception to where if the Giants didn't want to feature one back and bring on another tight end or receiver or even offensive lineman on their game day roster, they could do that. What Saquon Barkley can do, running, receiving, is incredible. And he may not be the best running back in the league right now. But again, this discussion is, it's incorporating who that player is right now, but it's also projecting the future. And can they sustain their performance? So Saquon Barkley looks to have another good year. Daniel Jones now in his second year with the Giants. Eli Manning's not there anymore. Hopefully that streamlined organization will 
clarify the offensive direction and it'll help Barkley move forward all the more. And then the last player that I'm going to mention here is Nick Bosa, edge rusher for the San Francisco 49ers. I really thought a lot about Russell Wilson being untouchable because he still has a lot left in the tank. He is obviously a great athlete. He's very smart. He's maybe the best leader in the league, depending on who you talk to. So there's no flaw in Wilson's game, but he's been in the league longer than Bosa. So when we talk about the future, again, not to say that this is he's nearing the end, because I don't think he is, but Bosa seems to have a longer future ahead of him than Wilson. That's just my opinion. But Nick Bosa, playing in the Super Bowl last year, you could see from snap one how effective he was. You could see all year how effective he was. In San Francisco, if you pay attention to them and their draft philosophy, they have really tried to fortify their defensive front. And now the cornerstone is Nick Bosa going forward. So if you imagine what the 49ers could do with another year of Nick Bosa, another year of Jeremy Garoppolo, another year Kyle Shanahan who just signed a new six-year contract, they are in great position to make another run at the Super Bowl. So Nick Bosa has all the tools you want in an edge rusher. And interestingly enough, where did he come from? You guessed it, Ohio State. Which it just speaks to the point we made before about how Ohio State continues to draft players, excuse me, sign players to their university and develop them who go on to be excellent pros. Nick Bosa, if I'm a general manager, I don't know how many better edge rushers there are. I mean, maybe Cleo Mack, Von Miller, Josh Allen with the Jaguars. I mean, all those guys are excellent. And it's not saying, when when I put Bosa or anybody on this list, I'm not saying that there's definitely no one better. I mean, maybe Quentin Nelson, because I don't know if it's... I think he's pretty solid in that regard. But you look at Nick Bosa and the potential of someone calling me to say, well, what do you think if we gave you a first in a second? I mean, yes. Would that be tempting? Absolutely. But, again, unless... The player is getting older or we've had a dispute with him behind closed doors or there's something a little off, even though his on-field performance was good. I might entertain that discussion. But to my knowledge, there's nothing like that with Bosa. He's very young. He shows no signs of slowing down. And again, the concept of thinking about a trade is to improve your team. Well, Bosa's a proven commodity. If he was in his eighth year and maybe had a couple injury issues and was a distraction with contract negotiations, yeah, we'd, we could have that conversation for sure, even though he, he would have still been at the top of his game. But for right now, if I'm drafting another edge rusher to replace Bosa, like if I'm drafting Gregory Rousseau, number one, I don't know, even if a team gave me a first this year and a second next year for Nick Bosa, I'm just spitballing here, but if a team gave me that... Number one, I don't know where they're going to draft, where they're going to finish 
in their draft position. And number two, if I was guaranteed to get a guy like Rousseau or a top edge rusher, I don't know how he would pan out. So those are two very real variables that are unpredictable. Conversely, I know what Bosa gives me. So why would I trade him? So to recap, the players that if I was their general manager, I would not entertain trading for in order, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, and Nick Bosa. I'm interested to hear what your take is. As we look forward to the NFL season and the college football season, who are the top five players that you feel like are the best of the best that will be there at the end, whether it's an individual award or their team goes far in the playoff? Who do you think is the player worth investing in? It's going to be a great year. It always is. It's always fun. It's always unpredictable. And I can't wait to get it started this year more than most because of obvious reasons. I think we're all just so ready for it to get started. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of On the Board. We really appreciate if you could review us, share the link so others could hear it, and then make comments on whatever platform or social media site from which you hear this. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening to On the Board.